And good morning to you, Tucson, and all of Southern Arizona. Welcome live out of the Common Workspace Studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser on AM1030 KVOI, the voice, daily in-depth news, conversation, and talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. I'm your host, Zach Yenser, and a good, happy Monday to all of you listening. Matt, around here, we have names for every other day of the week except for Monday. Monday needs no introduction. It is always here and always comes way too fast and always comes way too hard. Happy Monday to you, Matt, it, and to all of our listeners out there. It's just Monday, isn't it? So <laughs> happy Monday, Zach. <laughs> happy Monday. Well, I am looking forward to today's conversation. I always do with um, our guest this morning. It's our Monday morning news hour. Uh, whether you've got me or somebody who is writing about the news, making the news, watching the news, Monday morning, uh, we set aside to talk about the issues of the day. That certainly came in over the weekend, uh, but uh, also recently to talk about them. And today we have in studio with us for the full hour, which is a gift on top of a gift, Sam Kamak, local government reporter for the Arizona Daily Star. And uh, I think this is true. It's not a compliment. It is, but not as much as a truth. Uh, I, I think it's been a very long time uh, that I can remember, and that I could even do just the last few years. That also that feels like a long time. Uh, but since we've had uh, somebody um, that is as uh, focused on in-depth investigative reporting as Sam Kamak has been in this town, even over just the last year of being here with the Arizona Daily Star. And we're going to talk about a variety of topics, but uh, search Sam Kamak, Arizona Daily Star. You can see a list of his recent pieces over the last month or so. It hits all the big topics, and uh, it asks, I think, some of the right questions and is, is usually pretty hard-hitting, which is, which is, I think, the goal. Yeah, thanks. Sam came back. Good to be with you. <laughs> yeah, happy to be here. How Thank was that you. introduction? Very good. <laughs> I was telling you before the air, as I, I I'm not blowing, uh, you know, I'm not blowing smoke up somewhere. I'm, I'm, uh, uh, I'm, I'm honest. I think you've done a really good job with some investigative reporting. Uh, I want to start by talking about uh, Prop 411 and uh, and the new transportation director. Uh, you written a piece and you've been tracking. Proposition 411. Give us your overview of that. It's on the ballot uh, next month, mid-May. Yeah, May 17th. It's probably the biggest, um, or at least one of the biggest decisions residents are going to have to make in the coming year. Um, it's going to generate 740, I think that's the number, uh, million dollars for um, road repair and street safety upgrades. So basically fixing residential streets. It's not main corridors it's like you know neighborhood roads um and they say that with that money um they can fix every single residential street over the next 10 years so um it's a big deal and it's funded by um a half cent sales tax that started with proposition 101 in 2017 um and prop 411 will just extend that for the next 10 years and, and generate that cash so yeah it's definitely a big deal and um it will also i think it's fair to say make or break tucson's transportation efforts um for at least the foreseeable future the city set this massive funding increase goal for their road work so um, i think it's a 50 percent boost i'm struggling to remember the the number per year but it's over 100 million more spent on road work per year that they want to hit um and prop 411 is just a, a massive part of that so if it fails um i'm not sure mm -hmm. i think it'll probably be pretty 
tricky for the city to, yeah. to meet that goal. I think so, too. I mean, I've looked into it, uh, and I'm personally supportive uh, of the proposition for that reason is that, uh, you know, look, we can talk about how did we get to a point uh, where 85% of our neighborhood roads are in poor or failing condition. Right. Um, but I don't know how you um, backfill that uh, $600, almost $700 million hole, um, even, if, even if we looked at the budget. And we said we could better use this HERF dollar and this fund, and we could focus more. I mean, it's been a big deal for the city council to allocate $14 million from the general fund. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was a big deal. I think right. it should be celebrated. It's not usually done. Mm-hmm. But what we're talking drops in a bucket um, without this. I've had my questions about it as well. Right. Um, right. But the, the pragmatist in me, well, I don't know how you do in 10 years. I don't know how you put $650 million otherwise into neighborhood roads, let alone the corridors and arterials that are also in horrible shape. Right. Yeah, no, and that's a good figure. I should have mentioned that 85% of the um, residential roads in Tucson are in, what do they say, poor, very poor, or failing condition. So um, it's a big problem. And I don't think... And again, I, I guess I don't know all of the options, um, if there are some you know, federal or state funds, but I haven't heard of any that could fill that that gap if 411 doesn't pass. So um, it's kind of a make it or break it moment, I think, May 17th. The thing that caused me to question, we'll move on after this, was um, right before the language was finalized by the city council the uh the the website that they maintained to show progress showed that mm-hmm. a month and a half ago we'd only spent about 40 percent of the prop 101 dollars assigned right. and had only repaired 35 to 40 percent of the roads promised mm-hmm. um and i think you and i had maybe a similar question on that of is does that mean that the next 10 years would not produce the results. You've continued to ask those questions. What's your analysis to our listeners today? So what I've heard is the, and just to back up for a second, Proposition 101 was, like I mentioned earlier, a ballot initiative in 2017. Same half cent sales tax. The the spending categories of that money were a little bit different. So the majority went to uh, like public safety equipment. Um, and then some of it went to to roads, um, but a hundred million over that time, right? Went to roads. Um, I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a hundred million. Um, but when I spoke with um, the Department of Transportation about why, you know, there's still a big chunk of that money that has not been spent, um, which during the year that Prop 101 expires, um, they they pretty much told me that it's all according to schedule. What they have to do is collect that money at first first year so they're not going to have it immediately and then once maybe 2018 2019 they have the funds built up they can launch into actually doing the road work so they expect for it to be done in 2023 um and again say that it's that it's all going according to plan so i don't think there are any big issues but uh i think also i know that that raised eyebrows right off the bat but um like i said it's not anything to um at this point be concerned about as far as i can tell right because those dollars will be used and then 101 or 411 stuff is is a completely different bucket of projects it's Mm -hmm. not going to flow into and out of each other it's 101 is one bucket 411 is the other bucket right you know but for our listeners this is the thing that caused me the most heartburn (laughs) in figuring out uh, how open I was going to be personally uh, about supporting it. 
And kind of like you said, Sam, and it's not a sales pitch for 411, I just wanted to ask, because I know you've been asking similar questions, I, I, I through my digging as well, that's kind of what made me feel comfortable right. um, with the fact that, uh, with those facts. But it is interesting, we won't land on this too long, but Prop 407, um, the city right. council, which is the Parks and Connections bond that mm-hmm. city of Tucson voters voted on, it's interesting that at the last city council meeting, they said, look, because of inflation and construction costs, we're having to pare back budgets and scope of these projects, these parks and roads projects. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to backfill that with general fund dollars. Right. And the same thing could very well happen over the next couple of years with 411. Right. I um, I asked... Mayor Romero about that at the Prop 411 press conference oh, last yeah. week, actually. Um, and what she told me was that the $740 million um, you know, target and expectation through Prop 411 uh, gives the city enough wiggle room to kind of compensate for any increasing construction costs. Now, I, I can't say if that's the case for sure, and I don't think anybody can absolutely say that because you don't know what the the market's going to be like in the next 10 years but um she seemed pretty confident and i guess uh mm-hmm. that's what i have to go on i would hope so because the city of tucson's a jurisdiction that has given the rta a lot of grief mm-hmm. for not factoring in inflation right. so the city of tucson better get it right <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's an issue with all of the transportation programs right now it's just a i mean as you know it's complicated market issues and um, mm-hmm. Shortages and um, inflation on top of that. So, yeah, it's going to um, be interesting. Yeah, lots. I think lots more to talk about transportation wise on the other side of our first break. The city of Tucson has a new transportation director, and I think mm-hmm. Sam, wasn't it you who wrote a piece about the RTA audit? Did you yes. do that? Yep. Let's talk about that too on the other side if we can. Sure. Uh, we're also going to talk about electrifying buses mm-hmm. and the Los Reales uh, sustainability camp. We've got so much to talk about and we won't get through all of it. But we're with Sam Kamak this morning, local government reporter for the Arizona Daily Star. We're talking about a number of issues in greater Tucson. We'll be right back right after this. local news and talk all day every day 1030 the voice with preseason and the season opener in the books fc tucson is looking forward to a great season and john perlman and his squad aren't slowing down join your fc tucson soccer club saturday april 30th may 7th and may 20th for let's go 520 night celebrating this great city Get your season or game tickets at fctucson.com and let's pack Kino Stadium this season. That's fctucson.com. Tucson, your Tucson Museum of Art is pleased to present the Patrick Martinez Look What You Created exhibition and his first solo museum exhibition in the American Southwest. Los Angeles-based artist Patrick Martinez explores sites of personal, civic, and cultural loss sustained over recent years in America. Opening just this month through April 24th, you can go see it in the Castor Family Wing of Latin American Art. TucsonMuseumOfArt.org to get your tickets now. 
1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the nearly 60 startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges currently under construction, they are integral in shaping the future of Southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. The economy is moving forward, and Arizona businesses are looking at new opportunities and challenges as we emerge from COVID-19. Leading companies are planning how to respond to new business and rebuild their teams and are looking for critical talent now. The right talent in key positions will make all the difference, and having a trusted and dedicated talent acquisition partner will give you an edge. Devin and her team at Talent Store will connect you with top talent while positively impacting time to hire, retention, and your employer brand. Learn more by visiting yourtalentstore.com and schedule time with Devin and her team. Tucson homeowners, do you have equity in your home and would like to sell, but are afraid that you won't be able to find a new place in this market? Well, you're not alone. That's why CNC Partners has put together an innovative way to make your next home dream come true. They work with local investors who can purchase your home for cash, pay above market value, waive the appraisal, and provide you with the option to lease your home back to you for 12 months until you can find a new home in the Tucson market. If you'd like to see what that cash offer might look like with no obligation, go to Tucson Cash Offer. We have exciting news to share here at Impact of Southern Arizona. We have expanded our food bank into a grocery shopping style experience where over 500 families a month come in for food, clothing, and support. Now, Impact needs you. Can you or your business put on a food drive for food and hygiene items that others would normally go without? Learn more and contact us at www.impactsoaz.org. Zach Yenser here, host of Tipping Point, and I want to tell you that Decibel Coffee Works is the coffee we drink at home and while we're out and about. Run by a great local team of people who care about the Tucson community, you'll find a variety of great coffee drinks, beans, pastries, and more. There's also a rumor ice cream is on its way in 2022. To see their full menu and varieties of roasted beans from around the world, visit DecibelCoffeeWorks.com and visit them at 267 South Avenida del Convento. Mention you heard about them on Tipping Point with Zach Yenser for 10% off your next order on anything you buy. When you manage your money with a credit union, you're taking true ownership of your finances and how your money impacts the community. Stop letting banking just happen to you. Bring your money home to Vantage West. Federally insured by NCUA. Hi, this is Tom Sullivan. Join me weeknights from 7 to 10 for the Tom Sullivan Show on 1030 KVOI, The Voice. And we're back, Tucson and all of Southern Arizona, live in studio with Sam Kamak. He's the local government reporter for the Arizona Daily Star. Uh, check out his work on Tucson.com. Been some uh, really great stuff on everything from electrifying buses to the RTA uh, to Prop 411 and so much more. We're going to cover as much as we can of that today. Transportation is something that this audience is always very interested in. I think most mm-hmm. Tucsonans are right. after living with 85% of neighborhood roads in poor failing condition. A question came in during the break. Uh, when you were when you were doing your reporting, Sam, on Prop 411, uh, were you looking at any other buckets of funding within the city like her funds or general funds? Is there a way if 411 fails um, that there are dollars to do the same amount of work? 
Right, yeah. So I'm sort of, in a way, limited in in being able to do a full, um, like, breakdown and projection. Those are really numbers that, like, the city manager's office has and can do more in-depth analyses. But I did my best with what I had. Um, and and I did a bunch of different sort of scenarios just in case. And there's really uh, – I mean, it's it's going to be hard. There's really no way that they can hit the, the mark that they need to hit for this Move Tucson goal of, again, 50% boost in roadwork funding if 411 passes. Um, I mean, it's not that they couldn't put another ballot initiative – um, up for uh, the vote next year in the next couple of years, but um, it's just uh, it'll be a big uh, a big hit for the city for sure. I don't I don't see how they're going to be able to make up for that. Yeah, and from what I've looked at, and I'll go back and look at it again because the numbers probably have shifted. I know that her a lot of her funding is used to fund the Department of Transportation, the people who make it happen. Then there's transportation debt service funding. I think that's slowly. Um, going away. But right. the other thing that's interesting is that if the city gets these Prop 411 dollars for neighborhood roads, they've committed, I believe, a certain amount from the general fund for collectors and arterials. Um, yeah, collectors for sure. I don't think they've done that for arterials, okay. but it's collectors and then the public safety stuff that was included in Prop 101 but isn't included in this. Um, and, you know, that's another thing just when we're talking about the breakdown of how the money can be spent with 411. Um, the the road spending that's included in the new ballot initiative is like seven or eight times more than what was in Prop 101 just because of how the split was um, with Prop 101 spending. So it's a significant amount more. I mean, a, a, like I said, seven or eight times. That's, that's big time. So um, that's a, a significant difference. Yeah, and I know, like I said, and we'll move on after this, the mayor and council did a very rare move, and I think they should do it whenever they can, by mm-hmm. the way, um, allocated $14 million from the general fund last year right. um, to uh, repair roads. Usually um, it's done through HERF. So I guess that, that, that all is to say some of HERF dollars that we get, some of that a listener mentioned $70 million. I don't know if that's the number, but let's go with it. Mm-hmm. $70 million would go to funding the department then probably some debt service, and then the remainder would go to, to road repair. They moved $14 million from the general fund to go to road repair. That's still $2 million per ward, and the mayor in that format got $2 million to do it, what she wanted to do with it. That's nothing. Yeah. It, it, unfortunately, it's it's sad to say, but $2 million uh, for uh, a war, each ward has 100,000 people. The $2 million just, just doesn't – we're so far behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, we're so far behind. So yeah, it's I, a drop in the bucket overall. A, I mean, with public sector spending, two million dollars, a million dollars is is next to nothing. So yeah, you're you're definitely right about that. Uh, thanks for the questions. Keep them coming, um, and uh, I review the budgets as they come in as I can, um, and I'll keep doing it because uh, I'm curious. And listeners always give me homework, and I appreciate that. We have four or five minutes, Sam. Um, one of the reasons why I think it would not be wise, and some said it would not be wise to move forward with Prop 411 is because mm-hmm. an RTA renewal uh, item is going to come up on the ballot in a couple of years. You did a review of the audit on mm-hmm. the um, RTA's promised projects and dollars spent. Is it looking good? Is it some of both or what? Um, so, I mean, they're still facing this massive shortfall, and the RTA would say, well, this is a, a shortfall that was born out of increased construction costs and inflation and, and costs that that weren't um, in line with 
the original budget amount, but then the city will say, well, okay, in 2006 it may have cost $100 million to do something, but then today it costs $140 million or something like that, and that's kind of the natural progression of things. So um, as I'm sure a lot of people know, the RTA in Tucson really butted heads a few months ago. Um, I guess maybe like it's fair to say all of last year. Um, they've come to some sort of uh, like agreement for the time being, but um, that that shortfall still exists, and the city of Tucson's projects are the ones that are primarily affected by that. So, you know, it's it, it's not great, but I'm not sure. I mean, everyone who I've talked to seems relatively hopeful that they'll be able to figure something out, um, but there aren't any specifics, so that that makes it difficult to say there's a you know a solid way forward um but there's still what when does it expire 2026 so we've still got four more years until um those projects absolutely have to be done but um you know we'll, we'll see they gotta still try and scramble and figure out how to fill that 150 million dollar gap in funding something like that and the bone that the city had to pick over the last year was that a majority of those projects are in the city of tucson right, right sam yeah i mean i think all but one might be maybe all but two but um the issue is when you're dealing with a 20-year transportation plan um which is what the rta is there are a lot of really complicated financial i guess guesses and estimations that you have to make and also um you know, planning and scheduling. So Tucson's projects, for some reason, this was something that the city agreed to back in 2006. Um, all of the projects, or many of them, got mm-hmm. pushed back to the last phase of the RTA. So um, to get the streetcar first is the is the line. Right. That was what I hear. That was the deal. Yeah. So the city got the streetcar through the RTA first, and then a lot of these other projects are now having to get done at the tail end of this thing. And obviously, projects that are at the tail end are going to be more impacted by changes in, in costs so um yeah tucson may have gotten a bit of a raw deal on that but again the city agreed to it so one minute uh there are concerns about uh, that i heard from some parts uh, of the community about transparency and accountability from rta staff is there anything that you've seen that backs that up um you know it's difficult to say there's a lot of concern i've heard from a bunch of different um city officials about how decisions are being made, particularly particularly on these subcommittees. Um, and the, the structure of the RTA, just for some context, it's there's the, the main RTA board, which is run by all the elected officials who are in there. So the mayor of Miranda, mayor of Tucson, they all sit on that board. And then beneath them are a ton of committees and subcommittees who make all sorts of technical decisions and funding decisions and um, those sorts of things. So I think uh, you know, Steve Kozicek, one of them, was concerned that too many decisions were being made at those lower levels. But, um, you know, that's that's just part of the conflict between the city and, and the RTA, I think. When we come back from our bottom of the hour news break, we have part two uh, of this hour with Sam Kamak, the local government reporter for the Arizona Daily Star. We're going to talk about electrifying buses. We're talking about the Los Reales uh, landfill, now known as the Los Reales Sustainability Campus. We're going to talk about that and so much more on the other side. Sam Kamak is with us and will be when we return here. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Genser on AM 1030 KVOI The Voice.
With preseason and the season opener in the books, FC Tucson is looking forward to a great season, and John Perlman and his squad aren't slowing down. Join your FC Tucson soccer club Saturday, April 30th, May 7th, and May 20th for Let's Go 520 Night, celebrating this great city. Get your season or game tickets at fctucson.com and let's pack Kino Stadium this season. That's fctucson.com. Tucson, your Tucson Museum of Art is pleased to present the Patrick Martinez Look What You Created exhibition and his first solo museum exhibition in the American Southwest. Los Angeles-based artist Patrick Martinez explores sites of personal, civic, and cultural loss sustained over recent years in America. Opening just this month through April 24th, you can go see it in the Castor Family Wien of Latin American Art. TucsonMuseumOfArt.org to get your tickets now. In 1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the nearly 60 startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges currently under construction, they are integral in shaping the future of Southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. When you manage your money with a credit union, you're taking true ownership of your finances and how your money impacts the community. Stop letting banking just happen to you. Bring your money home to Vantage West. Federally insured by NCUA. Helping you make better money decisions is what the Ramsey Show is all about. Today at 1 p.m. on 1030 The Voice. We're back, Tucson and all of Southern Arizona. If you're just joining us, we are live out of the Common Workspace Studios for this drive time hour of Tipping Point with Zach Yenser here on AM1030 KVY The Voice. I'm your host, Zach Yenser. And uh, before we continue with Sam K. Mack, local government reporter for the Arizona Daily Star, uh, I wanted to share that this segment uh, is sponsored in part by Decibel Coffee Works. It's the coffee we drink at home, true story, and while we're out and about, run by a great local team of people who care about the Tucson community. You'll find a, a variety of great coffee, drinks, beans, pastries, and more. And there's a rumor ice cream is on its way in 2022. You can go to Decibel, com, one word, to see their full menu and varieties of roasted beans. Um, or if you are here in the Tucson area, and I know most of you are, you can go visit their location at 267 South Avenida del Convento. Mention you heard about them here on Tipping Point with Zach Yenser for 10% off your next order on anything you buy. Matt, the Yenser rate is spreading. It is happening. It's a great Matt thing. It. <laughs> 15% on a great burger. On a great burger. Uh, and this one is 10% off of uh, off of coffee. So we got you covered here. Burgers, food, coffee. Uh, we're, we're lucky to partner with some great organizations. Sam is with us here. And we're going to move on to a few other items. There's so much to talk about. We had one listener question come in during the break. I told you this topic. It's people calling in and asking questions. All right, in your um, kind of investigative uh, review, is the city doing anything to ensure money distri- is distributed equitably among the wards once Prop 411 is passed? Has that come up as an issue? So I asked how they're going to figure out where to spend the money and how, how to 
well, not where to spend the money, but how to prioritize the projects in different streets. And I don't think they have a full-on plan for that yet. They have a committee um, because, you know, the officials aren't really um, always qualified to make those technical decisions. So they, they each appoint someone to this committee who has some technical background and they're going to have to make decisions about how to prioritize um you know like they said every residential street in tucson is going to get hit um they expect so uh i'm sure that the all the wards will be seeing an impact but uh when and and where they're going to be doing things first how they're going to prioritize that that's not decided yet gotcha um Sam, I, I want to transition over. It's somewhat related, but it ties into some of the climate resilience efforts. Uh, we certainly saw them in the city of Tucson. We saw the mayor of Tucson highlight this on Earth Day uh, last week as something that she is very focused on. There is a uh, an electrification goal for buses mm. um, that you've written about. How are we doing on that? So do, roughly how big is the bus fleet? How many are electrified? And what's the goal? It's by, what, 2030, something like that, 2035? Uh, I don't know if they have a – they set a date for the full electrification of buses. It might be 2030. 2030 it's is a yeah, carbon neutral goal. Um, right. But the city has five right now. I think they just bought another four or five, so they've got ten in – Roughly, I think the bus fleet is somewhere around 250, mm-hmm. so they're really far off from from fully electrifying or, or doing a half of uh, you know electric buses and half what's called a CNG bus, compressed natural gas, um, which is another greener alternative to diesel buses. Um, so yeah, I mean that's they're far off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and this is, I think, similar as well when it comes to trees. It's interesting to me that the city of Phoenix has put a goal of, I think, 100,000 trees by 2030. The city of Tucson has put in a 1 million trees mm-hmm. by 2030. And uh, and again, this is not, you know, RD, red shirt, blue shirt, county, city. This is just the numbers. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not even close on any of this, but we keep saying it. We keep yeah. saying we'll hit it by 2030. I don't see the path just by the numbers. Yeah, the numbers, when I broke it down, I think it might have been like a month or two ago. Uh, I can't remember exactly what it was, but I think the rate of trees planted per year since the city started this, uh, it, they won't hit a million trees until the year 2068 or something like that. So, I mean, it's definitely not 2030. Um, there was some discussion a few council meetings ago uh, about um, counting in some trees that, like, residents planted, mm-hmm. uh, including that in the count, which to me doesn't really – I don't understand that because, I mean, if I plant a tree, I don't know how that goes into the city's efforts. But, um, you know, based on what I've – the numbers I have from how many trees a city has planted itself and private partners and things like that um, – they are are seriously far off, and I'm not quite sure how they're going to make up for that. They really need to ramp that up as well. And by the way, 20,000 trees is a hefty effort. I mean, yeah, yeah. those year-by-year numbers, I think, are just fine. I think Phoenix last year did 5,000. So, I mean, we're 4Xing, you know, our, our brother or sister to the north. Right. It's just not going to happen by 
by 2030. No, no, not a million. I think it's actually 40,000 trees that they've done so far. I mean, they so have. it's since, not. Since 2020. Yeah, yeah. That's, so, uh, that's my math. Yeah. I don't do math on the air for a reason, so yeah, please no correct me, Sam. It's, I usually get it wrong, but. Um, but they're not, uh, it's not insignificant, and it's not anything that, you know, you, when you look at it, you say, well, they haven't done anything at all. It's just if, if a million trees is the goal, then that seems super unlikely at this point. The, uh, when it comes to compressed natural gas, mm-hmm. I make a connection here. I could be very wrong, but you've looked into this. There was a an offer by, I think it was Southwest Gas, and you reported on this a couple of years ago, to basically supply compressed natural gas out of the Los Riales landfill. Mm-hmm. Um, the city council didn't do anything with that particular offer, hired a consultant. The consultant said you should partner with a private company in Tucson mm-hmm. to produce you know, natural gas. And it just seems like big efforts are really stalling. And and if if it didn't stall on the Los Reales Sustainability Campus, couldn't that be used internally to power more of our buses with compressed natural gas? Or what are you looking at there? Yeah. So um, the economics of all of it, an electric bus costs around roughly a million dollars per bus. Let's just say rounding up, um, and a CNG bus costs about like roughly half of that. Um, the environmental footprint also, and this is just what I've heard from experts. I'm by no means a, a environmental expert, but uh, the CNG buses also may have a smaller environmental footprint, so it might be a, actually like a greener solution and cheaper um, because they don't have to. They don't require those precious metals that you need for or rare metals that you need to make the batteries for electric buses. Um, but yeah, we have a bunch of methane coming out of the Los Reales Sustainability Campus slash landfill that they could um, capture and clean and, and use to pump into the buses. But like you said, that was um, that was delayed for like I, I can't remember, a year or two because they the city did do this um, whole study and hired a, a consultant to do this study, which landed the city back in the same place that it was before the study, um, which is partnering with Southwest Gas to make that happen. So, you know, the city, they have to go through certain processes and and figure out if they're getting the best deal and what the best way forward is. Um, That makes sense, uh, but it's also been a a point of serious frustration for some officials that, well, they've spent all this money, they've gotten basically the same place that they're at, and now... um, you know they're they're that much further away another year or two well actually it's probably more than that from being able to do the um actually capture that methane gas and in the in the meantime the city's spending money on electric buses which um you know if we could if we could fill the buses with cng uh, or get cng buses instead of electric buses that might be a cheaper and greener alternative but um you know like like you said it's just it's lagging uh, last question for you, Sam, before we go to a break. We'll talk about one more one more topic. And this is – I want to frame this by saying this is an objective analysis of your work. This is not me opining, but mm. correct me if I'm wrong. There's been a theme to your work over the last couple of months, mm. uh, I feel like, and it's mm. been a little bit repetitive, but I don't think that's necessarily your fault, mm. um, where it seems like a lot of the tone of your pieces has been um, big ideas, um, big campaigns, very little progress – sometimes over years of time, you know? And I know you have a report on this, but we just got a number that the accessory dwelling unit ordinance that was passed has produced 17 units in six months. Wow. In in the sense, I think we we all knew it wasn't going to solve the housing crisis, but Mm -hmm. it took a year 
and a lot of legislative maneuvering to get it through. And I think that one should have been easy. Take care of it in two months, move on, because it was always going to be small scale. It mm-hmm. just seems like we're not moving with the urgency and scale for some of the problems that we say we have. That mm-hmm. seems to be a theme in your work. Am I – is that – yeah, I think that's definitely fair. I mean, it, it's just there a lot of these efforts in Los Reales, I think, is a pretty good example because when they call it a sustainability campus, they mean they want to have a bunch of these different efforts like glass reuse, plastic reuse, um, the the methane gas capturing, all uh, a ton of different things at the campus. And there hasn't really been that much uh, progress towards any of that. Same with the trees like we talked about. Um, you know, they're not... They're, they're, I, I think, you know, they, like they are big ideas. They are, they do take a lot of work, but in terms of actual progress and uh, some sort of material result, it's it tends to be, um, as far as I can tell in my conversations with people and the records I've looked at, um, sort of sort of lacking the material out, output. Yeah. Well, thanks for letting me ask that question. You're not an opinion writer. No. I'm, I'm merely asking, what are you summarizing? from your research, which I think, again, is some of the best investigative reporting we've had in this community um, in, in a really long time. Uh, Sam K. Mack is with us, the local government reporter for the Arizona Daily Star. On Mondays, we do a Monday morning news hour. Uh, we hear the news from people who are writing about it and tracking it and, and researching it and making it happen. Sam K. Mack is one of those, uh, a regular contributor here on the program. We're going to go to our final break of the hour. When we come back, we'll talk about a couple of other items that you've written about in the past. You can search Sam K. Mack on the Arizona Daily Star and read up on his last six, seven, eight articles. I think it's uh, really good stuff. We'll be right back here. Uh, Tipping Point with Zach Yenster returns on 1030 The Voice. Your source for trusted local news and talk. 1030 The Voice. The economy is moving forward, and Arizona businesses are looking at new opportunities and challenges as we emerge from COVID-19. Leading companies are planning how to respond to new business and rebuild their teams and are looking for critical talent now. The right talent in key positions will make all the difference, and having a trusted and dedicated talent acquisition partner will give you an edge. Devin and her team at Talent Store will connect you with top talent while positively impacting time to hire, retention, and your employer brand. Learn more by visiting yourtalentstore.com and schedule time with Devin and her team. Tucson homeowners, do you have equity in your home and would like to sell but are afraid that you won't be able to find a new place in this market? Well, you're not alone. That's why CNC Partners has put together an innovative way to make your next home dream come true. They work with local investors who can purchase your home for cash, pay above market value, waive the appraisal, and provide you with the option to lease your home back to you for 12 months until you can find a new home in the Tucson market. If you'd like to see what that cash offer might look like with no obligation, go to Tucson Cash offer.com why i love where i live it's a brand and movement that began here in tucson to spark gratitude and celebrate the good things about where we live located in the open air mercado san Agustin annex just west of downtown it's a great place to shop or spend time with friends as you enjoy food drink and other shopping options close by find gifts toys books and clothes that will help you celebrate where you live visit them at the annex off the i-10 at cushing and avenida del convento Zach Yenzer here, and I'm so excited to be a part of the launch of the Little Love Burger as they're growing in Tucson. Located just a few hours down 
from the Rialto Theater. Little Love Burger serves up the juiciest scratch-made hamburgers. Look at hot dogs, have ice cream milkshakes, lovable local brews, and the most addictive breakfast sandwiches. Little Love Burger is open Sunday through Thursday, 11 to 9, and Friday and Saturday, 11 to 10. You can follow their bee on Instagram and Facebook at Little Love Burger Tucson. Don't you want some burger to love? Did you know that Arizona is the first state in the country to implement a program like Earn to Learn has right here to support students with matched college savings? Through your investment, you enable students to leverage their own savings and resources to acquire the life-changing asset of a college education. If you want to be a part of increasing students' earning potential, minimizing student debt, closing the opportunity gap, and putting deserving individuals on a path to success, go to earntolearn.org to find out more. With preseason and a season opener in the books, FC Tucson is looking forward to a great season, and John Perlman and his squad aren't slowing down. Join your FC Tucson soccer club Saturday, April 30th, May 7th, and May 20th for Let's Go 520 night, celebrating this great city. Get your season or game tickets at fctucson.com, and let's pack Kino Stadium this season. That's fctucson.com. This is Bill Buckmaster, the Monday political face-off during the noon hour on 1030 Tucson's Voice for Trusted News Talk. And we're back to Tucson and all of Southern Arizona. Zach here, host of Tipping Point on 1030 The Voice. This segment is sponsored by Little Love Burger. They opened downtown last fall, serving up the juiciest burgers, loaded hot dogs, have ice cream milkshakes, local brews, and breakfast sandwiches. You can follow their beat on social media at Little Love Burger and mention you heard about them here on Tipping Point with me, Zach Yenser, for a 15-1-5% discount off your next order. I highly suggest you have lunch at Little Love Burger, uh, get your coffee before or after uh, at Decibel. We got you covered here on the program. One more segment with Sam Kamak, local government reporter. We're going to talk about should buses be free or not? Should should bus transportation be free or not in the city of Tucson? But let's go to the phone lines real quick. Roberta with a question for Sam. Roberta, thanks for holding. You are live on the air. Go ahead. Thank you. Um, you mentioned the use of glass and plastic. And Councilman Steve Kasajek is collecting glass at the Ward 6 office. He's turning it into sandbags and sidewalks. And, um, in fact, I have some boxes here. I'm looking for someone to pick up and take over there. And California is using plastic in their asphalt for paving roads. And that cuts down on the cost and the toxicity of the asphalt. Interesting. Roberta, I appreciate your call. I mean, this is a beef for Councilmember Kazachik, right, is. Sam? You reported on where he said, why aren't we starting these things? We keep bringing consultants in. I'm paraphrasing. Mm-hmm. When we knew this two years ago, this is his pet project, so he's super passionate about it. Your thoughts, Sam? Right, yeah, no, Kazachik is definitely one of the guys who's most frustrated about what's going on based on what I've heard, and, you know, Cunningham as well. Um, but uh, so... What what I was talking about has to do specifically at Los Reales, um, and everything that I've heard from Kazachik and, and everyone else um, who I've spoken with, pretty much the the main thing that they've done there is build a uh, an enclosure for the the glass and plastic, um, which is obviously just a small 
step forward. So um, I'm I'm not sure what maybe uh, Steve Kozicek is doing with his own in his own office, but uh, you know that's the what I was speaking about is specifically at Los Realis. It doesn't seem like that's that's made too yeah. much progress. Got gotcha. Off the ground. Yeah. Gotcha. Roberta, thanks for the call. Sam, I got to ask you in the time that we have left. Um, the question that the Tucson City Council will ask as we head towards the June deadline is, should SunTran and SunLink be free in perpetuity? It's free now. Mm-hmm. They're starting to shape the budget for the next fiscal year. What are you researching out there? Yeah, so um, they made it free, I think it was back in 2020 as a COVID uh, mm-hmm. you know, help measure because they people were obviously out of work for that that point in time but um now the discussion has turned to should we should the city completely eliminate bus fares permanently um and that's really kind of a uh i think michael ortega said it very well when i spoke with him it's kind of a value the city manager call yeah the city manager um i think it's a uh it's just a call that the officials have to make and where their priorities are. Uh, it's going to cost about a million dollars a month. So I, I think it was anywhere between 800000 to a million a month to uh, fully subsidize the buses, um, make those fares free. Um, so, I mean, that's not an insignificant chunk of money. Um, and so, you know, it, it just it matter. It's does the the city want to put that much more money into providing buses and public transit each year, or is that money better used elsewhere? Um, but obviously, the the pro of of having um, buses free is that people who can't who you know have a hard time affording just riding the bus. Um, daily to get to work, they have that option. Um, and I should say, the projected savings for each for residents for people who ride the bus um, is about forty dollars a month. So spend about a million dollars a month to save about forty dollars a month. Now, what is the what is the amount that the city is subsidizing right now? I don't know the exact amount, but the the. Public transit does not pay for itself. It I mean, not even close. Yeah, not even close. I mean, it's always going to need to be subsidized to some extent by the city. It's just a matter of um, is the city going to you know throw that extra twelve million a year or so at the at the uh, system to make them free? Uh, so yeah, it's never going to be a money maker, but it's a matter of putting more money into it right now, and I think that's a. A big decision they're going to have to make during the budget discussions. Um, you know, on the council, you have Lean Santa Cruz uh, from Ward One, who I, she wants to see it made free permanently. And then you have—I um, don't think you, there are any individuals on the council who have said they don't want to do that at all. They want to bring back fares entirely. But um, you know, Steve Kozicek, go back to him. He had an idea of making it free for some people who can't afford it, and then others who can have to pay. Uh, but there's a there's also a a concern about when when you keep it free, um, making it s- somewhat of an unsafe or uncomfortable environment for people who are um, traveling on the bus. You've got since the buses were made free, and it's hard to say how much this is related to the to them. Anyone can get on, but assaults have tripled on the bus. Um, and uh, there's anecdotally, I've heard some um, other things about the buses just being less pleasant because of um, certain people who who jump on and ride all day. 
that 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 uh, eleven million dollars or the twelve million dollars that are paid by fares that are paid, Sam. Um, I see. I I, I found numbers because I, I knew I knew where I could find the numbers, but I couldn't remember them. Mm-hmm. In 2018, before the pandemic, the public transit system mm-hmm. in Tucson cost 65 million dollars to run. Mm-hmm. Fares for about 11 million of that was 17 percent. In 2019, the system cost $63 million and fares paid for about $12 million or 19%. Right. So the highest in the last five years that fares have contributed are 19%. Mm-hmm. The other 80 to 85% are covered by the city. Right. And, and it makes me wonder if we're having the wrong conversation in the first place um, in the sense that I think multimodal should be viewed as where does it connect people mm-hmm. and does it connect people to retail and commerce in a way that that grows over time the city's tax base we're never going to subsidize we're never there's no way we're going to get enough people in the near future to use this transit system right to to fund the other 85 percent the city's already paying yeah no no way and that, that's that's never definitely that's just the reality of it yeah right? for sure and it's just a matter of like i said how much more money do we want to put into it? And it could be uh, that, you know, that's a based on what the council wants and based off what residents want, that's a good way to spend that money. It could be that um, this money might be better used elsewhere, like building affordable housing units or, um, you know, any, any other number of different initiatives that could use $12 million a year. Um, but, again, that's that's kind of just a, a, something that the council is going to have to tackle. And it's not... There's no right or wrong. It's just um, it's an investment, and whether or not it's a an appropriate and worthwhile investment. Yeah, and I'm not sure what the answer is quite either. But I appreciate you uh, looking into it, Sam. I knew this hour would fly. We're about out of time. Where can people find you? And um, I don't know if you can talk about it or not. But I'm assuming you have a story coming up. People mm-hmm. people can look for. When do your stories usually come out? Weekends or? Yeah. So um, a bigger project that I've been working on for a while. Uh, I'm expecting it to come out this weekend or maybe early next week. Um, so definitely keep an eye out for that. It's at Tucson.com. Um, and on Twitter, I am at KMaxSam. So that's my last name is spelled K. M is in Michael. A C K and then Sam. At KMAX Sam. Sam, uh, again, appreciate your work. I'll say that one more time. Uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks for giving an hour on a Monday. Definitely. I don't take that lightly either to start the Monday out <laughs> here for a whole hour. Um, we'll do this again soon. Thanks for coming in. Again, folks, you can follow him. Uh, go to Tucson.com, Sam KMAC. You can search uh, his stuff. And you cover a wide breadth of things. And I think it's some investigative reporting we haven't had for a while um, uh, in, in the in the reporting room at the, at the Arizona Daily Star. So I like what you're doing. Uh, we will be back uh, tomorrow, same time, same place, 9 a.m. We'll keep talking about uh, all the issues ahead and everything that you want to be talking about. Uh, Hugh Hewitt is coming up next. Uh, Bill Buckmaster, as always, at noon. Uh, Bill didn't ask me to do this. Uh, I'm not asked to do this, but I will plug. I listened back uh, to Bill Buckmaster's interview with the uh, new police chief, Chad Kazmar. And uh, I think Bill had him on for longer even than usual. And it was a, it was a good conversation, and, and I thought it was good from last Friday. So check that out, as well as all of our local shows and the content that happens on them. Matt, happy rest of the Monday to you and to all of our listeners. Thank you as well. Always a pleasure. 
Have a great day, Zach. Thank you, Matt. And to all our listeners, we'll see you again Tuesday at 9. Take care and thanks for listening. Thank you.